Welcome to Duct Tape and Paper Clips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. That's right. And tonight we are breaking down season two, episode one, The Human the Factor. The Human Factor. It's the season two premiere. We're going to find out if it holds up. But first, uh, let's catch up a little. Annie, we're kicking off our series two. What uh, have you been up to in the interim between seasons? How's everything? Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited for season two. Um, <laughs> we have so many fun guests lined up. Yeah, it's actually it's ridiculous. Um, and I'm excited that people are listening and uh, enjoying the podcast. So thank you for those who have listened and are listening and are um, telling friends about it because that is super helpful um, yeah. to us. Yeah. And while we're talking about that, I'll just mention that we're, uh, we're extending the raffle we're doing for the ultimate MacGyver package that we're giving away, which is uh, we're giving away a MacGyver jacket, watch Swiss army knife, uh, the whole bit. And if you jump on board with our Patreon between now and January 25th, you'll be entered to win that. So check it out. Uh, it's patreon.com slash the MacGyver pod. Anyway, you were saying, <laughs> what have you been up to? Tell me. So yeah, I feel like I it's same old um, quarantine lifestyle for me. I've been watching a lot of things. Um, I have been sort of pivoting away from seasons of shows because I don't want to you know, start a whole other, uh, program that I then have to finish. I mean, make <laughs> mistake by deciding to start Grey's Anatomy. Um, oh, man. not knowing that there are like 12 seasons of that, yeah. um, but I dumped out of that. No offense to any Grey's okay. fans. Um, mm -hmm. I learned it was not for me. Um, there how, are how many episodes many did it take for you to realize that I, I made it into season two okay. and I, I realized that um, it is just uh, not a show for me. It was a little too soapy, a little too all over the place uh, with the characters. So I, I did drop that. But I watched two things that I would recommend um, this past week or so. I watched Promising Young Woman, um, which is oh. new. And if people haven't checked it out, I really recommend that you do. And I also got around to seeing First Cow, um, which I think was supposed to come out in theaters huh. right around the time that quarantine hit back in last March. Yeah. And um, it's now streaming. So I, I checked that out. It's by the director who did like Wendy and Lucy and those other Pacific Northwest uh, films. And so that was great too. So those are two cool. things that I would recommend to people. I have heard of the first. I have not heard of the second one that I will have to check those out. You also have this thing where you like, <laughs> you'll watch every movie in a genre for an entire month, like one movie a day. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. I don't necessarily watch them in real time, <laughs> okay. um, but I have been doing this thing that I started last October because I am a big Ethan Hawke fan. Right. And I sort of thought that Hawktober would be <laughs> a fun appreciation of Ethan Hawke. So I simply just recommended a different Ethan Hawke movie you know, for the 31 days in October and it got kind of popular. So I did the same thing with some of my favorite holiday films that don't suck um, <laughs> in December uh, because there are a lot of, you know, holiday rom-coms that I feel like are what people kind of think of when they think of Christmas movies. So I wanted to 
recommend some of those. And I'm going to do another one for February. Um, So I do that on my Instagram stories. That's fun. Um, What's been going on with you? Uh, Me? Um, You know, here we are (laughs) in the throes of Vermont winter, trying to figure (laughs) out what to do with ourselves. And it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, We did a couple of kind of major live stream events, and we were working toward those things for many weeks, and then they happened. And now there's nothing to be working toward. (laughs) So (laughs) it's feeling a little aimless these days. But, um, you know, we've been also watching a whole shitload of uh, (laughs) shitload of TV um, and being really uncomfortable doing it because we I may have mentioned we got a brand new couch. And we mm-hmm. sat on it for a month and then we looked at each other and said, are we ready to admit that we hate this? Do we? Oh, we, I love both those agree? moments in, <laughs> in a purchase uh, yeah. when you're part of a couple where you're just like, yeah. all right, are we going to continue to white knuckle this and stay <laughs> pretend, positive? Or yeah. pretend um, all this money we spent was worthwhile or are we yeah. going to admit that we hate this? So th- that's the that's where we got to it. We, we had bought it online and we hadn't sat on it. So I put on two masks and went into a furniture store and found a couch we love and we're ordering that. So I'm just hoping it gets here so because I love uh, design stuff and I'm really into furniture, I got to know like <laughs> what was your issue with the couch and why wasn't it working? Oh, because I mean, we went a little too uh, mid-century modern with the style of the couch Classic. and it's like sitting straight up and down in an airplane seat, you know, <laughs> like there is no ability to recline. Also, it's just a little too small for, uh, I'll say it, me, my wife and our two dogs because that's how we're spending the winter. So uh, we got a couch that is literally the exact width of the wall it's going on. There is not one extra <laughs> inch uh, to either side of it, but it's beautiful and I can't wait to get it. So um, that's what I've been up to. Just, uh, just regretting purchases. I mean, I, I also purchased a couch in quarantine, but thankfully it's like so comfortable and worth it. The issue is it is like, it's a little bit lighter in color than okay. I thought it was. Oh. And so I refuse to sit on it without covering it in blankets because <laughs> of the dog hair and the the risk of spilling a single drop of anything on it. So I've now become one of those people who like <laughs> if people ever come over to my house, I will take the blankets off. But yeah. until then. Right. No. And you'll be like real sure to give them a coaster and like be watching them. Oh the my whole time. God. I will be like anxiously <laughs> watching them. Um all right. Well, let's get to our guest. Uh, She is a terrific comedian, a producer, a writer who's a regular at the Comedy Cellar in New York. She was named a comic to watch by the Boston Globe, just an immensely talented and delightful person. Please welcome Nonye Brown-West. Hi. Hi. Hello. Thanks for being with us. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I was born in the 80s, don't tell anyone. So this was like (laughs) reliving some stuff for me that I'd forgotten about. Uh, Maybe repressed. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) Yes. Um, how are you weathering this whole goddamn year? Um, it, you must be like getting done with outdoor shows now and like hunkering down for winter, right? Yes. And it was really interesting because as soon as the weather got lousy here, that's when the COVID numbers started going up. So mm. it was really, it was nice of COVID to give us kind of the summer off here in New York yeah, because yeah. we were still able to do outdoor shows and not feel bad about it. We, you know, our numbers are really low. So yeah, we're, we're indoors and we should be really right now. So it's okay. Yeah. That's probably why the numbers are going back up because people are gathering indoors again. right? I know. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yep. So how was your summer of outdoor shows? Was it weird? Was it fun? 
Um, I was one of the lucky ones that uh, people knew I was still in New York and they knew, you know, that I would be willing. So I was, I had a lot of bookings. It was fun to see my friends and uh, social distance was fine because it turns out I don't like being close to people anyway. So that was good. Um, <laughs> so I had a great summer of doing shows and uh, even the the Zoom shows seem to be like more fun in the summer too. Hmm. And then now I, I feel like people are just like, you know, a little sad. So I don't know. I'm working yeah. on other projects, writing stuff now. So yeah, yeah. Right. People have started to to come back, and and the swing has come back um, against Zoom shows now. Um, people hated them at in the beginning part of the pandemic. Then we were okay with it, and now I think we've swung back to like it being anti Zoom show, which I think is fine. Um, they're generally not good. The best ones are ones that we shouldn't even really be doing, I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I did one for children the other day, and I do children's shows, something I like to do. Hmm. But I was like, this is a bad format for kids. I don't know why. <laughs> but it was great. It was, like, so many people watching it. And it felt really good to do. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just depression. Do you think that's why we all hate <laughs> Zoom shows now? <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of things going on in the world right now. So I yeah, think we're right. all generally a little... <laughs> Well stressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the Zoom fatigue is a real thing. Like we really, you know, if we're doing it too much, then it becomes, oh, I just got to get off this goddamn computer. That's true. Uh, so you mentioned that you're born, you were born in the right uh, time frame for this. Uh, did yeah. you watch this show as a kid? In, probably in reruns, I, right? I was not old enough to really remember it when it was on TV. So yeah, everything I saw was in syndication hmm. and reruns, but I didn't realize that when I was a kid. So okay. yeah. when you messaged me about the podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, I used to watch that in live, like, you know, every night when it was on. And then I realized that I did not do that. And that was a false memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry to destroy that illusion for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what are your memories of the show itself? Like, I remember when my favorite Busta Rhymes song came out when I was in middle school and being like, oh, that's the Night Rider, or not Night Rider, that's the, um, oh wait, that was Night Rider. Why do I keep confusing them? <laughs> no, it was the MacGyver soundtrack. It was. It was the theme song to MacGyver and it was a Busta Rhymes song. And I think uh, a lot of rappers sampled it around the same time. Huh. Ah, and I, okay. Yeah. And I remember like saying to my friends, like, oh, this is from MacGyver. And that was another time that I took a deep dive into MacGyver watching it. Um, another time where I went back and watched a lot of MacGyver was when they did the McGruber on mm -hmm. SNL. Uh, that brought back some stuff. And I was like, oh, let me watch the show again. Um, this is my first time watching it since I was like 25. Again, I'm not going to say what my age is. I mean, now. that is actually <laughs> more revisitings than we usually get with our guests. <laughs> you know, like you've touched base with it a few times I since have. your childhood. Yeah. 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 And and you clearly you are conflating Knight Rider and MacGyver quite a bit because I we am. should well, tell people you watched the wrong episode. <laughs> I did. I watched the wrong episode. You, so I sent you an email asking you to watch season two, episode one of MacGyver, and you watched season two, episode one of Knight Rider. Mm -hmm. Why? What, what happened? <laughs> okay, so I don't know what happened. You know, sometimes you read, but you don't really read. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, this had an unintended benefit, which is that... Uh, I just immediately texted Annie and I was like, I'm watching this episode of Knight Rider. I don't know about you. And she's like, totally. Yes. So we've and all I, seen it. Yes. So I realized that it's on stars, which I had the free trial of so that I could watch the second Nexium documentary that came out over the summer. <laughs> oh. 
I put it on and I was like, this is a really interesting um, companion <laughs> to MacGyver <laughs> because they're, they're not dissimilar shows. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even the plot, the plot of the episode mm-hmm. was similar to the plot of the episode of MacGyver. It was like the follow-up almost. It was very interesting. After having watched 23 solid episodes of MacGyver in a row without any other context, it was really fun to go back and watch a different show from the same era uh, and see how they treated things. I mean, this one was a few years before MacGyver, but it yes. was cuckoo bananas. <laughs> like It was uh, like fun and silly and off the wall. We had an evil twin. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> within 10 I mean, minutes, there's an evil twin. A couple things that really stood out to me. I was not aware that the voice of Knight Rider's car was Mr. Feeney. <laughs> Mr. Feeney. That was yeah. new to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was blown away by that immediately. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I was literally screaming with laughter the first <laughs> time the evil twin popped <laughs> on screen um, because that that was, it was basically just David Hasselhoff with like a little crappy fake mustache. And, and like, a Saturday night fever suit. Yeah. And we were just supposed to be like, yes, a hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, all right, we, we need to move on to our MacGyver episode. Uh, but if you want to listen to us talk a little more about the Knight Rider episode with Nonye, hey, why not join our Patreon and you'll hear the rest of that conversation. Uh, you can do so for as little as three bucks. All right. We do need to actually talk about MacGyver. So why, why don't we re- refresh our memories about the human factor? Annie, you want to give us a summary of what happened in this episode? Yes, here is what happened. Uh, MacGyver is tasked with breaking into a top secret military facility as a test of its security. He successfully gets in, but Sandy, the supercomputer in charge of guarding the facility, starts thinking for herself. She identifies MacGyver as an actual threat, trapping him inside a along with the computer's inventor, Dr. Jill Ludlum. While Pete and the compound team work the problem from outside, MacGyver and Jill defeat killer robots, laser fields, acid pools, and oxygen deprivation, (laughs) eventually outsmarting Sandy, again, who is a computer, and escaping (laughs) the facility. Yes. Uh, Well done. Um, All right. Well, let's... uh, We want to start this discussion by talking about, like, low-hanging fruit. So what are a few things that we absolutely just have to talk about with regard to this episode. Noni, you're our guest. What's okay. what's something that sticks in your mind? I am so excited. I like I want to share screen and just show you one thing. Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, is that sure. possible to do? Okay. Well, this uh this was just um a thing that happened in the- <laughs> 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 like I have no idea how else to say it. Oh, it should be hold on, let me see where this is. I I almost did a I almost did a grab myself that I was gonna play, but Oh, it's a clip. Is it? Yeah, oh, like, it might be the same thing then that I was thinking I was going to grab. Is it the same thing? It might be. I don't know. All right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is the one. <laughs> I can't wait. Okay. So this part was just perfect. Yeah. Uh, I probably watched it like seven or eight <laughs> times in a row. Um, acting terrible, but oh, was it perfect? Yes. Amazing. Okay. Um. It said, look out, she supercharged the cable. 
<laughs> I don't know. What is it, Anonia? Because I had the same thought. I was like, this is amazing. It's yeah. so inconsistent with everything else she does in the episode. And it's so beautiful. It, this clip of where she just like on the ground screaming that he that, that the computer has supercharged the cable. Uh, you jumped straight to the end of the episode. This is the Oh, yeah. End, sorry. I didn't mean to uh, do which that. Which I love. Uh, I just, what is it that's so weird about this moment? I will definitely post this clip online after this. Um, so, oh, that, I got to say the acting's terrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just the gyration of her body, too. She's just gyrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As she says it. Uh, she, like, unhinges her jaw, almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's so much like, hey, ball. It just doesn't even match with anything else she's done. Well, she doesn't have enough oxygen going to her yeah. brain. <laughs> I think we need to make that a meme. Because... <laughs> It, it is criminal right? that this moment in this episode is not a meme that everyone knows from the Wait, internet. I will send it to you. I think I can send it to you <laughs> in the chat. I guess oh. for me, like the low hanging fruit of this entire episode is I am so concerned about Dr. Jill. I cannot even <laughs> tell you because she like created this thing. Mm -hmm. Like how diabolical is she? Like she is the one who made up all of these extreme actions that, you know, huh. the computer is going to go to <laughs> right. like oxygen deprivation. <laughs> We're going to lasers. Like why wouldn't the computer just detain like an intruder that's breaking in? Like why wouldn't like oh, a, a cage point. just fall down? Like why does it have to go straight to oxygen deprivation? <laughs> it's very strange to me. So I think that Jill, yeah has problems. Um, and I don't know that, why I never connected the fact that like this, this supercomputer is like psychotic with the fact that she designed every security measure in it. And yeah. it sort of makes I her mean, psychotic by, by extension. Exactly. And oh, I think true. that the computer, obviously we're meant to believe that the computer is like learning Rogue. and growing and changing yeah. and kind of like building on things. But the basic design is all Jill. <laughs> yeah. um, so she needs some, some help. Um, <laughs> Counseling. Yeah. And I also do not trust her, um, her colleague who is the military dude who's with Pete. Um, that guy seems to have some like very severe trust issues with people outside the military. And yeah. I feel like it's, it's a problem. Yeah. That was on my list of low hanging fruit was the Pete Colonel Woodward relationship. <laughs> uh, just so much white guy posturing and nom <laughs> flashbacks. It was very, it was one of those B stories where you're like, this is, doesn't matter at all to the main story. I don't care about it. And you're probably going to throw away this subplot of Pete having been in Vietnam three episodes from now. It was such I a waste of time. I also don't believe for a second that Pete has served in combat. No. That is a 0% <laughs> chance. No, this guy was working at Dunkin' Donuts in Nam. <laughs> <laughs> what about... Okay, so we, I noticed this too when I was when I was watching it, there were a lot of nods to like Doctor Who and to Star Wars, just like mm -hmm. direct ripoffs. Like they I wonder had, if like, you would know about this because I don't know much about Doctor Who, and it's been oh, I love Doctor been, Who, and that's my other thing is these fucking Rubbermaid <laughs> trash can drones are they so, were Daleks. So this is a Doctor Who thing. Tell us about that because I know nothing about it. So Daleks look just like them, but actually they're a little bit. I would thought I would never say this, but they look a little bit more high tech. They, they're just like <laughs> trash cans yeah. that look kind of like cones, traffic cones, and they're gray and they have little balls on them. But the, everything else that they did with the trash cans in Knight Rider that were uh, drones. You mean MacGyver? <laughs> is that what you mean? <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> what is going on with me? It's I just pointing it out because it's funny to me. Whoa, um, this is this is like the Mandela effect with me. Right, like I thought right. they yes. were the same it's show. It's all the same show. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> so the Daleks are like uh, just they roll around like that and they look like that and they're dangerous. Is that the idea? And this they is look just, just like that. They yeah. even took the little uh, like proboscis that they had that shot lasers. That's a direct Dalek thing. The way they move is a Dalek thing. Their voice almost was just like Daleks. It was so crazy. The only thing they didn't do is say exterminate, which is how Daleks load their their little lasers. Huh. So the whole thing, that part was all stolen from Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. And then the rest of it was directly from Star Wars. <laughs> but I noticed the Star Wars ripoffs hardcore. I was like, are you literally just going down the garbage chute right yes, now? Like yeah. this is this is absurd. Because there's lasers firing at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Either that or uh 2001, right? Oh yeah. That's and right. 2001. Yeah. yeah. Like even when she comes back to life, it's a it's a circular glowing dot. It's just green instead of red. <laughs> it's oh, like, okay, all right, this is a little on the nose here. Um wow. but yeah. Uh, I just, there's one thing that I need to discuss, <laughs> and that would be the scene where MacGyver removes his pants. Um, <laughs> oh, that was so pointless. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they like took that opportunity to throw in some of their more suggestive humor that we see on this show. Um, but I, but my favorite line of this entire program was when Jill said, why are you taking off your pants? Because yes. I had the same question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved what followed that though. Cause he said, you got a better idea. And she's like, I'm still trying to figure out what yours is. Um, <laughs> I thought that was such a cute exchange. And then they said, watch the pipe. Watch the, pipe. that was directly yeah. after it. <laughs> why did I not? <laughs> No, that's, that was, you know, this is like a very PG show as we've talked about before. Like this is very much like MacGyver is kind of a nerdy lead as Mm. far as action heroes go. So the fact that they made a like pipe joke when MacGyver, you know, has removed his pants was like pretty I think that's why it went over my head because I was like, not, I'm not used to seeing that kind of a joke in this show. (laughs) And she was not pulling her weight. I got to say when, when they were trying to like get. Um, up that they basically she basically had to do like a pull up and yeah. it was not happening. I loved the thing I loved about that is that they they were just huffing and puffing and groaning that entire time, which is <laughs> how it would be if you were trying to pull your entire body weight up to like you know it's always like in a TV show someone always just reaches over the cliff and pulls the person up and like uh-huh. easily and it was so nice to see just people going like because <laughs> that's like how normal people would do it. They were struggling. I mean, there was acid filling the room. So yeah. I feel like yeah. that. Um, I did also notice that her stunt double was very ripped. It was like, a- <laughs> oh my god, I didn't notice that. Wow. I'll I'll talk about a few of the things I liked. Um, like, first of all, the Dr. Jill Ludlum thing. Yeah, she's clearly a psychopath. Um, if she if she made all of this stuff, um, we've always had an issue in, in, the, sh- in the show with they kind of go back and forth between female characters who have an, any kind of agency and know what they're doing and female characters who are totally ancillary. And uh, this one, I was like, oh, good. Someone with a doctorate who has like, you know, who knows her business and is mostly in charge the whole time. Um, 
but it was all thrown away at the end. I was like, oh, God damn it. You did such a great job of like making this person smart and capable. And at the end, even despite the fact that he is expending all the oxygen in the room by running around, she's got no energy left and he has to save her at the end. Yeah, I thought they did. I did like that. I liked that she at least knew her own job, which is more than we can say for most <laughs> female characters that are written on this show. Um, <laughs> typically MacGyver just shows up and they've forgotten everything um, that they've ever learned how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I think we had one non-white person mm-hmm. in this entire. I'll give it year, to them. They had right? a capable Asian person too. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, Wait, I had a that's... problem though with Peter. That was his well, name, right? Oh no, that uh, was Peter's the bald uh, oh, manager, oh, but yeah. What was his name? Uh, Peter's the bald manager. Who is her assistant guy? I don't know that I named him. Jason or some, I don't know. I can't remember. It was like a J name. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Jason. Mm. He had the deepest V-neck and I thought he had no shirt on underneath his lab coat for (laughs) at least half the episode. So even though they had um, a person of color in the episode, they sexualized him for no reason. Uh Uh-huh. So you were thinking he was naked under his lab coat. He literally looked naked. (laughs) He looked I was naked so and he really didn't speak. Like it was yeah, very, yeah, yeah. like it was not a great role. <laughs> yeah. But at least he was like, not, you know, he wasn't like running the Chinese restaurant, you know, like That's he was true. like, he had a job and, you know, and uh, a salary and all that. Um, uh, there were a few lines I liked. I liked the when he says, what makes your guy so special? He doesn't have any gear. And he's like, that's what makes him so special. That was kind of a cute line. Um, I love his look when he's like just want ambling casually around <laughs> checking out all the security at the beginning. And he's got this like oversized puffy coat on and the jeans and the fucking blonde hair. It's just so, so 80s cool guy, you know? Uh, something my husband noticed. Actually, I noticed it too. I can't give him all the credit, but um, <laughs> it's how well the, all the pants fit the men in the butt, mm-hmm. <laughs> even the old men, just very round butts. In the pants. <laughs> and they were, yeah, they, they wore clothes that fit and we do love to see that. Um, in general, you True. don't always see a man who knows how to choose a size of jeans. Um, that's appropriate for him. The style so. didn't like, we weren't experimenting with like loosening up the ass of a, a pair of pants for like several years after that. And it's so funny too, because the legs, you can tell that it, um, like the seventies, the late seventies fashion hadn't quite gone away because mm. the pants themselves very wide, but the mm-hmm. butt so fitted. Yeah. The, butt, the butts were fitted. I, I had an issue with how dirty his sneakers were. I noticed that when he yeah. first was getting into the, and they, they were sort of like, they have him in these pristine white, like Ked, like, you know, white sneakers, but to not have that like pop and be pristine, I feel like is like, why even put him in white the sneakers? Dirty like, old tennis shoes. Yeah. If, yeah. If you're going to make it, you know, rugged. That just strikes me as like a mistake where they were like, we'll put him in these beautiful new shoes. And then within four takes in the desert out there, they were dirty. Yeah, (laughs) it was strange. But the other thing that I thought was effective in this episode was like, they did a a better than usual for the show job of framing what the hell they were doing and why Um, it was actually something that I could follow. Like we heard the name of the organization that he works for at the beginning. (laughs) We heard like what he was, you know, physically doing there, who he was representing. Um, and that is is way yeah, more than but, we can say for between, a lot of episodes. Yeah, for a lot of season one episodes, for sure. And then you add to that the fact that they actually had stakes that were understandable and dangerous. There were a couple of times when I was like, oh, shit, she's really like 
to turning the screws on these two, um, yeah. where we felt other episodes with like literal nuclear weapons where we're like, what are the stakes? There are no stakes. So that was fun to me. The idea that like, yeah, we could follow the story. It moved along. There were some stakes. That was like, that was a nice surprise in season two. Um, all the campy high tech stuff cracks me the fuck up. Um, <laughs> like I wrote down a bunch of them, like the pressure sensitive floor thing is clearly just a gym mat. Um, <laughs> the control room is like full of like light bright toys, essentially like all those yes. control panels of the light. Um, the automated robot voice kills me of the eighties. Like we, it, so we just really, really thought it that was what it sounded like. It was not, I mean, you could have computerized a voice if you wanted to. That was just but a like, could you like back then in 1986, would you have had the technology to do like we were still doing everything analog? Like, I it, mean, Flight of the Navigator was better than that. True. And that yes. came out Same like deal. before this. I watched so, that recently, by the way. It holds up pretty well. I, lo I love that movie, but yeah. that's that's for another time. Yeah. <laughs> I felt uh, like the computer woman literally just sounded like Sandy was like I expected Sandy as a real woman to pop out from behind. <laughs> Well, and the robot voice is like what you used to do as kids to pretend to be a robot, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it, wasn't like it was a real that. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've just gotten also used to like the Siri voice now that this just seems yeah. like cartoonish, you know? But yeah. But I feel like even uh, movies that came out, I mean, you already said one, but a lot of movies that came out in the 70s had better computer voices. They could have even gotten the woman from the Warriors to do it and it would have sounded more like a computer. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, there's so much <laughs> silly stuff. Like knowing that Richard Dean Anderson, the guy who plays MacGyver, uh, like he came from that whole school of like, he spent the seventies like riding his bike around the West and street performing and all of the stuff that like Robin Williams and Christopher Reeve did in their early day. You know what I mean? Like that's what actors did. They were like fucking hippies that just like learned all these skills. And when he made his own slack line, I was like, Oh, you are <laughs> like, this is just a skill he has. Cause he took a circus arts course. Um, and the same thing for the pipe thing when he's crawling around on the pipe, I was like, these are circus skills that Richard Dean Anderson has <laughs> that they have somehow made look like a cool action sequence. <laughs> It's like just a rope three feet off. The, like it cracked my shit up just to see him like doing his like actory Richard Dean Anderson mime skills. You know? <laughs> I didn't know that background on him. That makes a lot more sense. It is. Yeah. Yes. He used to like juggle and yeah, do yeah. various like street performer stuff. I am. Um, I actually figured out the the sneakers. I think they just wanted him to seem down to earth because MacGyver seems so regular perfect guy. and mm -hmm. smart. So they just wanted him to seem like a regular guy. I'm just a regular dude. And these scientists and military men, they don't understand what it's like. I think that's what the sneakers are. It was just a clue. Yeah, in. that could that could that be. Could yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about that. I think think if he was that. a regular guy, I would still <laughs> comment on the like, shoes to him. <laughs> I would be like, come on. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, but he's the only man for this job. He's the only guy who can get into this top secret facility. I did sort of enjoy that the military official was that skeptical of him because yeah. we don't see that a lot. A lot no, of you times like to see people, him proven wrong. Yeah. Well, a lot of times people just take him at face value that he's like this expert that can figure out anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, this guy was like, why is this random dude? The one who's going right. to figure right. it out. Oh, I want to talk. Let's talk about the MacGyverisms that appear in this episode. Uh, I thought straight up the dumbest MacGyverism was the telescope. 
it seemed oh, mm-hmm. needlessly time consuming. And uh, I just really, th- in that moment, I really felt for the, for the people who make this show, because you really have this shot clock of like every 10 minutes, he has to invent something. And that's like, mm-hmm. you've really painted yourself into a corner with that, you know, like Knight Rider can do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> um, but this is like, okay, what's he going to make now? I guess he forgot his binoculars. So he's got to <laughs> use the newspaper. It was just like, come on, dude. Did they have so much voiceover in other episodes? I don't remember. I should have watched. Actually, I think there's more in other episodes. There's more. There's a lot of voiceover. Yeah. Oh my god, his voice was very monotone. I don't remember his voice being so monotone from the last time I watched it. Um, And then just describing every little thing, I just felt like that was a pretty lazy tool. And then towards the end, when the action picked up, he stopped doing that. Thank God. But I don't know. That seemed. Yes heavy-handed they think it's very cute has a big issue with the show don't tell like they can't really (laughs) do it Um, (laughs) it's it's not something that they do i actually thought the worst macgyverism was him with the live cable um i know it was like the big finale but i mean basically at the end of the day his task is to kill a computer which i think is a bad episode of television like I don't like can't you like I don't know defeating a computer like was a big sort of trope in the 80s but I I find you could do it with a magnet so there was really (laughs) no need for all that other stuff but yeah yeah and it is hard to get invested because it's like it's a disembodied voice it's nothing you know there's no villain really um yeah, but it is interesting, like, culturally to see, like, how we were thinking about these, like, okay, computers are starting to take over our lives, and computers were, like, kind of the new kind of scary thing, and the idea that we took that anxiety and put it into, you know, our art, and it came out as this, like, weird, I don't know. Yeah, I used to watch a lot of the Learning Channel as a hmm. child, um, and it was before TLC got into, like, reality TV. There used to be just these, like, mini documentaries on there and in the 80s and 90s they were obsessed with this idea of like computers taking over and they would turn on us and I remember I watched this uh docu this like mini episode about the Mayan calendar and it featured like a reenactment of a woman getting sucked into her food processor um, <laughs> because that's what they thought was going to happen um, at wow. the end of the Mayan calendar <laughs> And I remember the voiceover being like, one day the tools we've created will turn on us. And it was just this wild thing that I remembered while watching this episode because we were obsessed in those days with the idea of like, all of our creations are going to turn against us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it was maybe early 90s, right? When the Terminator stuff started really Mm -hmm. taking over. I think, yeah, 89, I think the first one, right? Yeah, right, right. So it was, there were a bunch of movies that, came out around the same time that were about this. So, so this was very dead, like nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. But they're still just throwing up, they're thrown back to star Wars and 2001 and all this shit. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, this is also a hallmark of this show is that they just steal from everything. (laughs) Just like, you know, at least here it felt a little more like an homage and like there have been other episodes where they've just stolen whole (laughs) like rolls of footage. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I didn't even consider the last thing as a MacGyverism, him frying the panel or whatever. Um, but the other ones, I I actually the plaster dust thing on the hand thing was on the you know hand scanner thing was kind of dumb. Um, but I liked the mop and bucket mirror, mirror trick where he blows all the lasers with the with the mop bucket mm-hmm. and the and the mirror. Um, and I and I liked the drones and the magnet thing where he's like throwing flaming magnets at all the drones. Um, that scene felt very Jurassic Park to me because they're crawling around in a lab on their hands and knees. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But also I just thought like, I love, you ever tried to like throw a magnet at a fridge? It like sticks like <laughs> 1% of the time. You know? <laughs> and he's like hucking these things across the room and they're sticking up to the drones. Um, but that was a fun scene to me, like have, having them blow each other up. But- yeah. I liked the, the, um, the powder handprint thing. You? I don't know why. Oh, I, like I just that thought too. it was cool. I was like, how does this like work exactly? So he just puts a coat over it and then it reads the powder? I feel like that would work. And it was the only thing in the whole episode that I felt like would work. <laughs> I really, I looked at it and I was like, I wonder if that works. Like, I'm sure it doesn't, but I, I definitely, it. I, I completely <laughs> fell for it. I was like, huh, next oh, time I'm... In that situation. Yeah, right. When you watch MacGyver, you just want to believe. That's part of totally. the that's yeah. part of the whole thing. You're just like, oh, I want to believe I could make that. Yes. Or I could break into exactly. something like that. I will not lie. Like, <laughs> A, as a child, I did a lot of looking around at my surroundings, being like, I wonder if I could get out of this room if I were locked in it, if I used that, that, and that, because I watched MacGyver. And B... Since I've started rewatching this, I have found my brain doing that same exercise. I mean, this is just me being like uh, my ch- ch- childhood, <laughs> my repressed childhood coming back out again. <laughs> but just like the the, the mental exercise uh, and the fantasy of looking around and being like, oh, putting something together out of the shit in this room. Uh, it's fun. It's a fun exercise to do. And I found myself doing it more now that we're watching this show, which I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> it's been fun. No, it's good. You got to exercise your brain. You yeah, know? certainly so, now. Yeah, we gotta like, find something to do. Exactly. It's like doing a sudo, just right, building right. something. <laughs> It's so funny to me. You know that thing where like two characters will meet and then they just list each other's bios to each other? Yeah. <laughs> like MacGyver does this, this, and this. And Dr. Jill Ludlum does that and that. It's their way of setting up the character without having to do any work. And then it always ends with, you've done your homework. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was no oh, exception. You've done your homework, Mr. MacGyver. <laughs> like, and he like, like listed a full resume, like a two-page resume. <laughs> So he has everybody too. He like yeah. pointed to everyone and yeah. <laughs> and that and that again is like a very Doctor Who thing from the original Doctor Who and the new one. Just that's like a thing that he always does every time he's in a situation or now she is in a situation where they know uh where it's a historical figure, right? Okay. List off everything about it. So that's another thing that reminded me of Doctor Who right there yeah. and James Bond, because that's a very James Bond thing. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this is not the first time this show has stolen from James Bond. No. So <laughs> it's, yeah. But that's a, that's a very, uh, and it's an efficient, lazy way to get out the information about, okay, we need to know this about this character, this about that one. Okay. We'll just have but them listed. sometimes on this show, it feels like a bad improv scene yeah. where it's I mean, like, Nathan, I know you're blah, 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 yeah, blah. Like, it's, it's gifting. Just, <laughs> it's gifting. Yeah. But it's also like they want it to be flirting flirtatious you know they want it to be like a meat cute and they're like the, yeah. how about we make the meat cute expositional like mm-hmm. how romantic <laughs> did you have Can something I, you were gonna say Nanya? you look like you were not um uh 47 meters down the first one there were a lot of similarities from this episode of macgyver 
What is 47 Meters Down? I don't know this reference. It, um, so it was a movie with Mandy Moore, and there was another famous actress in it. I forget her name now. But they went on a shark dive in the middle of, I think, the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. And the shark cage, uh, you know, one of those things where you, like, take pictures of the shark right, in a cage. Right. Mm-hmm. The cage, the cord snaps. So they get stranded at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, but not far enough where they get crushed by the pressure. And they have the diving gear on, so they could make it back up, but there's sharks everywhere because they just chum. And they get... <laughs> I feel like uh, you're pitching the, this movie to me. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and they um, they made a second one, too, which actually was a little bit more high stakes and a little 48 bit more... 48 meters down? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another 48 meters down, Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they, she gets the bends. They both get the bends. Mm. And so they're they're battling with the bends while they're trying to save their lives. And I felt like when they were losing oxygen and uh, mm-hmm. the doctor, Dr. Jill was like losing her mind. Right, right. I feel like 47 Meters Down took some lines directly from her. Huh. The way she was flailing, the way she was acting. Yeah. <laughs> because it let's get Mandy Moore <laughs> on the pod and let's... Let's get down to yeah. the bottom of this. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, why do they send all the fucking guards away when they do this? I missed that somehow. Well, they just, I know that doesn't make sense. Did either, they say why? They said they wanted to prove that just one intruder could be stopped. Bullshit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, they, well, I don't think they really had any guards too. They wanted, they pr- had proven to themselves that Sandy could take care of it all herself. Right, but they had guards that they sent away at the beginning. Oh, that's true. They did send away guards. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they they did explain it away, being like, oh, um, Sandy's perfect. Right. And we just want to prove that she's perfect. Yeah. And I feel like that was sort of irresponsible, given that oxygen deprivation, not to keep harping on this, was something (laughs) that Sandy was going to be engaged in. Like, to just send away anyone who could help um, and then put, put MacGyver in this situation. It was a little strange to me to have that false start at the beginning where he gets in and then, you know, is basically told like, all right, I'll, I'll let you get in. Um, that, that seemed to be not quite needed. I felt like it was kind of a cool misdirect where it was like, oh, you know, this whole thing he just did feels like a MacGyver episode, but it's over too quick. It's like the end already. And then Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, it's going to get worse though. Like, I I thought that was kind of a fun, I thought this was the story and now it's going someplace even more high stakes, you know? I like, I liked that too. And I also know that things like that happen in uh when people are trying to get more funding because i was a grad student and we did some tricky stuff when you're trying to get more funding so (laughs) that rang very true to me i'm like ah i've seen this one (laughs) say more about that i mean what what are you who are you involved people to break in so you can get more funding (laughs) no but there are like a lot there are a lot of tricky things that professors would do or they would have their students do or their tas do like you don't have to out anybody but like what types of things like (laughs) usually usually just grading grading was a thing like like, so they would inflate grades to make things or to make their students seem more intelligent, like they were relaying information better so they would get more funding. Um, they also would give research from other students who whose departments didn't need the funding to other students so they could get more funding for their departments. Oh, grad school oh I so see. Messy. So if there's like an overage, like if I didn't spend all my grant money, like I would just allocate it over here somewhere so oh. that I could keep up applying and receiving that. Uh, no, 
Although I feel like you probably could do that. That probably would have been easier. Uh, and he just invented <laughs> another they, grift. <laughs> yeah, you just invented another thing wow. that, like, honestly sounds easier. But they, <laughs> <laughs> but they would actually just give other students papers. Uh, well, they wouldn't give it. They would put the student who actually did all the research, their name would be third or fourth. And then the student in the department in the department that they wanted more funding for would be first author. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Sneaky stuff. Very sneaky stuff. I mean, they didn't try and kill MacGyver to get funding, but you know, it rang true in ways. Oh, I did hear, I can't say too much because the school I went to knows that I went there, Uh, but (laughs) someone did break a microscope once, like a million dollar microscope and seemingly on purpose. But wow. Don't tell we can cut this if you want me to cut it. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't get you in trouble. That school doesn't care about me, but uh, <laughs> well, on I'm the gonna, off chance. I am going to tag them in this when I oh, upload. Okay. All right. um, I thought Sandy went from all systems nominal to fuck every human pretty quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> it was were very they trying quick. to say that she had reached singularity? Is that what the point was? I thought that's what, what they're going to, but... I mean, she said uh, actual artificial intelligence. She's like excited by the fact that it's like thinking for itself. Right. Exactly. So she had reached singularity and she just turned evil, which is a trope that still occurs in movies and TV. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Some of us have tried to watch Westworld. Um, <laughs> oh, I stopped after season one because it was so predictable. Um, I loved the movie, though, so I can't really talk. The Westworld. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't make it through. I watched season one and I think that was it of Westworld. Uh, anything else in terms of the storyline that worked or didn't work. I I also thought like, okay, we've established Sandy has zero power. Uh, They've shut it down and somehow she still manages to find the power to search for that other generator. (laughs) Like that when she comes back to life, it's like, well, how did she do that? If you cut every source of electricity to this thing, but that's something that happens in every single story about uh, a sentient computer though. They always like, they're just like, I flicked the light switch. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and it's like there's a secret battery we didn't know about. Yes, he's or back, back again. Is <laughs> Sandy's back? Tell <laughs> Sandy's back. Yeah. I literally think though that it was because Pete and and the general, or I don't mm. know his rank actually, uh, Pete and the military <laughs> officer, like they were so busy fighting yeah, amongst just, themselves, just they were yeah. doing very little. <laughs> Oh, I could not have cared less about that whole relationship. Um, I, I wanted to say some of the dumbest lines. You maybe you, oh, yes, you have your own uh, dumbest lines. Um, he talked about Bond at the beginning. He talked about Bond being up to his 007 in bikinis, and I end up 80 miles past nowhere. This whole ah shucks, I've got like important work to do, and it never ends kind of thing really doesn't work for me. And I always think of it like, especially when he's like, like, uh, it would be nice to be on a beach with some babes. I'm like. This isn't the character you've developed. This character is supposed to be like a goody two shoes and like does the right thing. And the idea that he's like, oh, I wish I could be on a beach with the babes, but I got work to do is like, so it's so dumb. It's an 80s thing. It's not a MacGyver yeah. thing to me, you know, but stupid. Um, it took the human race three million years to invent the telescope. I That flew right by me the first time I watched it. And then I was like, wait a minute, three million years? <laughs> You know that humans haven't been around for <laughs> the entire time, right? <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, well, maybe that's a dumb. No, that one was really dumb. I caught that one. Both of those yeah. actually made me cringe, so I'm glad you're going through those. Yeah, I liked the fact that the guy who went the, with a hard hat who went to try to fix the panel and then got his arm blown off by the laser was named Johnson. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we could not care less about this guy. Uh, Johnson, get in there. Um, the line, is there a ladies' room? It's like... 
you know, there are mirrors in every bathroom, right? You don't, (laughs) (laughs) why did it have to be a ladies room? And the last one I have on my list is look out. She's supercharged the cable. (laughs) Yeah. I love that one. That was wild. I, I also, I believe that the pants scene was one of the dumbest (laughs) pieces of dialogue I have heard. And also I just, once again, I'm developing quite the hatred of Pete. Um, and everything about him, but yeah. um, the very end where Pete thinks he figured it out for the right reason, but misremembered, um, you know, the way he got out of some previous mission. Um, but then the end was just so strange where he was like, it couldn't be, it yeah. wasn't like, it's what are you trying to communicate there yeah. that you do know what's going on or that you don't know what's going on. Yeah. That last line or two that he said were, they were very unnecessary. Like the joke had been made and then he had to stand there and have his acting beat and it was just (laughs) terribly acted. And, but, uh, we did get a a coda scene where we got to see them like hanging out after the fact and a cute little scene between him and the doctor. And so Mm -hmm. I appreciated that there was at least a coda at the end of this, you know, although it was a very, um, actually from the, I mean, (laughs) he's like, Oh, let me tell you how you did this. Oh yeah. That's not how you did it. (laughs) And then that's how they ended the episode. All all I'm going to say is if my boss ever tried to explain (laughs) to me how I escaped a fucking mission, I would be livid. I know MacGyver is really nice about it. He's just like, I just got mansplained by my boss. (laughs) He is, um, he's not a good actor. It's all very, I mean, I really feel like that, like if you went to any small town and picked out the guy who was playing Harold Hill and the music man in the community theater and made him this character, like that's what this guy is to me. He's like, you know, his every line feels forced and like, get the oxygen in there on the double. Like he's just, everything is like, this is my big line. (laughs) It just never feels organic at all. Yeah. I think generally though, with this episode, I felt like it was really weird to start off the season with this particular episode because it didn't feel like a big, opening you know now we're just so used to like the first episode of a series has got to really pop and it has to be something like really kind of exciting to introduce us to these characters and I feel like not having like a true villain and not having like other folks um who were kind of like building the stakes um I just felt like this this episode I didn't hate it but I felt like it should have been kind of like in the middle of the season yeah yeah, it, I, it, you know, I think back to being a kid, I would have waited all summer for this, you know, right. uh-huh. and then this is the, it's a fine episode, but it, it's not like the big opening, you know, season, yeah, season can, premiere. Can I just tell you, as somebody who has not spent a lot of time watching uh, season one of MacGyver, hmm. this episode actually made me want to watch more episodes. Really? Not lie. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. You made me want to watch more. Now, of this or Night Rider? <laughs> <laughs> a MacGyver. A MacGyver okay. did. Well, I mean, they're only 15 bucks the whole season on Amazon. Um, yeah, I, the, Annie, the more we do this, the more I think it would be fun if we just wrote an, an 80s action pilot. <laughs> you should. You should write up a, a spec strip. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. To <laughs> we go. could do a spec strip for MacGyver. I was thinking after having watched that and Night Rider, I was like, I just, it'd be so fun to just write a, a, an original idea. Like, like um, Heat Vision and Jack. Did you ever see that? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys have to see this. Um, it was a pilot that was made by, I think it's Ben Stiller and uh, Jack Black. And Jack Black mm-hmm. plays this character who's an astronaut. And 
His superpowers go away when the sun goes down, I believe. And his dirt bike has been imbued with the magical uh, personality of Owen Wilson's voice. Oh, <laughs> wait. I remember this. This was in the early 2000s, right? It never went anywhere. It's just a pilot they made. And it's a oh. spoof on this type of like Knight Rider style thing. Yeah. And it's so funny and dumb. And it's it's on YouTube and stuff. But um, okay. it, it's, a, it's a parody of these kinds of shows. But um, anyway, it just made me... I was like, we should just do something like this. It'd be so fun. Um, I'd watch it. <laughs> All right. We have to take a break. Uh, when we return, we'll find out where this episode falls on our DTNP rating system. Stick around. We'll be right back. 2020 has been a dumpster fire. I'm Lori. And I'm Natalie. And together we are the foremothers of Butt Canyon, a self-sufficient utopia to clean the slate and start again. But we can't let just anyone in. Yeah, like what if you're annoying? So every week we'll interview potential residents to see what they can bring to Butt Canyon. You can listen to Settlers wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh my God, that sounded so official. Nailed it! And we're back with our guest. Uh, we're going to move on to our final segment. It is time for It's Classified. Yes, we are on a mission to figure out what the best episode of MacGyver is. So we are going to rate this episode. Okay, so this is our new and improved scoring system for season two. We've made a couple of tweaks this season. Um, so we're going to quickly uh, rate the human factor on several different characteristics. We're going to start with you, Nonye, because you are our guest. Uh, first up, on a scale of one to ten, how exciting was this episode? I would give it a five only because at the beginning, I, I had a lot of trouble um, paying attention. I found myself mm. drifting off. And I do not have like any sort of uh, like clinical disorder that would make <laughs> me drift off. I got to say yeah. that because... You know, although we all uh, have like worse attention spans than we did in 1986. Yeah, right? just being alive oh, in 2021, yeah, it's yeah. part of it. But yeah, yeah but it was slow moving. You're, yeah. you're talking to comedians, you do need to specify <laughs> right. um, there's not a clinical <laughs> diagnosis at all. Exactly. So uh, right there's on. no clinical diagnosis. Um, but I will say that uh, it was very boring at the beginning. I loved when you already said this uh, during the podcast, but I loved when. He gets through the entire building, uh, breaking all the codes, and then there's more to the episode. There's about 30 minutes left. I love that. And then from that point on, it was very exciting. So half of it was a 10 and half of it was a 5. And the half that was a 10 was like kind of a 10 for the wrong reasons because <laughs> it was exciting because because of how badly it was acted yeah. how much it was ripped off from things like doctor who and james bond and yeah, yeah. and especially star wars so yeah okay so and we're gonna get a five that i love yeah. a 10 for the wrong reasons i feel like that that should be the theme of this part podcast. of the episode was a 10 for the wrong reasons and that's why i'm giving it a five uh gotcha what about you annie um i'm gonna give it a six i okay. felt like um yeah, absolutely dead on. There were boring parts of this episode that yeah, stretched right, on. Right. I I also found myself drifting off a little okay. bit. So six. Cool. Uh, I'm going to give it, you know, I'll give it a six and a half. Now, uh, how well crafted was this episode on a scale of one to 10? This gets into a little bit of the why you were giving only a part of it, a part of a 10. But um, we're talking about writing, directing, editing, story, the whole thing. How well crafted was this? I'm going to give it a three because I think this, the story was good. I thought the story was good. I think it was 
produced in in a poor way. Like they, didn't, <laughs> uh, the cinematography was poor, the acting was poor, yeah. the direction was poor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the practical effects were honestly pretty good, but they yeah. used trash cans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the CGI was was terrible. Yeah. Uh, the part where he steps on the mat, the CGI was like boinging all over the place. And just the pixels on my TV almost gave out because of how bad <laughs> their CGI was. I was like, ah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's give it a three. For okay. That. All right. What about you, Annie? I, I concur. I'm going to say three on three. this one. All right. Yeah. I mean, the actual plotting and pacing was, actually, was okay, mm-hmm. I thought, in this episode, like as we've kind of discussed. But... Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm inclined to give it a higher score and it's so hard to know because we don't know what the rest of season two is going to look like. So it's hard to like, uh, gauge it against anything. Um, but I did appreciate, like I said before, the fact that the plot moves along and the fact that the stakes are high for a change and we got a nice little ending, but I agree with you. Like the, it's poorly acted, poorly directed. Um, maybe, could, maybe I'll just give it a five. Cause that's like dead in the middle, you know, that is right. Yeah. Mediocre. Now we're going to switch to one through five. So on a scale of one to five, how innovative were the MacGyverisms in this episode? Uh, All the things that he makes along the way on a scale of one to five. Mm, I would give the, oh, unfortunately, I gotta give him a one. Okay. They're pretty bad. And there are things I could have thought of as an eight-year-old, you know, if if I had a, (laughs) (laughs) if in science class I had to make a telescope, I would have known exactly what he did. That did feel Um, like a, like a middle school science project. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. It was pretty bad. And the magnets, that's something that he could have solved the whole issue with. If you just take those magnets out of the phones and just brought them to the mainframe. Yeah. And just rubbed it a little bit. Yeah. Problem solved. (laughs) You can even uh, do that on computers nowadays. I don't even understand. Okay. A uh, one. We got a tough a guest one. here. I like it. Uh, what about you, Annie? I'm going to say three right in the middle. Okay. Um, a couple of things that were cool. Nowhere near, you know, the innovation we've seen in past episodes and where I think it's going to go. So yeah. right in the middle. I agree. I think I'll do a three as well. I th- really am giving it the three because I, in- I actually enjoyed blowing up the garbage cans with the fire magnets. I thought that was fun. Uh, everything else he did was pretty lame kind of, um, uh, for someone who has been built up as like, this is the guy who's going to break into your facility and be fucking awesome. It was like, okay, mime slack rope. I don't know. Uh, on a scale of one to five, uh, how, what, what is the eighties cool factor of this episode? Um, we've now we've watched something that was like probably a 10 on a scale of one to five. Uh, so in, maybe in contrast to Knight Rider, maybe not, but on a scale of one to five, what is the 80s cool factor of this? Fashion, music, the whole bit. For MacGyver, and I'm not going to rate it against Knight Rider because that was just beyond. It's not, it's unfair. <laughs> yeah. It's unfair because Knight Rider would be a five um, any episode you watch. But for MacGyver, I would give it, okay, you know what? I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to give it a four because of Jason and because of the pants, because of the crazy CGI uh-huh. uh, <laughs> for the hair, the volume in the hair. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it had everything that you would want from the eighties for being filmed um, in yeah. the middle of the desert and a set mm. in the middle of the desert, you know, right, cause they right. didn't really move from that one location. But so, you're not faulting them for that. You're saying like they uh, yeah. were pretty cool for being stuck in one location the whole yeah, time. Yeah, that deep V-neck that Jason had on, yeah. like, come on. You know, he looked <laughs> naked. So <laughs> looked naked. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, uh, interesting. Yeah, this is another bottle episode, Annie. Like, we keep having yeah. these with MacGyver. Uh, I guess it's cheaper, right? <laughs> is yeah, that the it idea? Yeah, it is cheaper. They, they like to stick to one <laughs> location. Yeah, yep. 
Um, what would you give it for 80s cool on a scale of one to five? I am giving it a two. I don't find this episode to be particularly cool. Um, There's not a lot of cool music, not a lot of cool. Like we don't really see him kind of kicking back or or doing anything too cool in this episode. Yeah, I think I would give it maybe a two and a half. I really did like his his outfit. I found super cool. Um, uh, Her she as a character is very 80s, like the frosted Mm -hmm. blonde hair and the whole like blousey billowy rayon shirt and shit. Um, uh, So there was a bit of a and and then the technology, just the like being obsessed with the supercomputer um, felt very 80s to me. So I'll give it a two and a half. Okay, so we have some a couple of bonus uh, questions here, and this is just a yes or no. And if the answer is yes, it'll get more points. Um, okay. So uh, does he help out an old friend in this episode? Um, Pete doesn't count. So oh, okay. he doesn't come in to no. help out an old friend. No. So I would say he doesn't get the point for that. Um, is he detained against his will in this episode? Yes. Uh, well, yes, he is. <laughs> um, uh, so that he will get an extra, what did I say? Five points. In the escape of being detained against his will, does he use any of the following items? Duct tape, paper clips, or a Swiss army knife? I think he uses a knife. He uses a knife to get in for sure. At one yeah. point, he's like fiddling with a door with, with I always, I thought it was really funny, actually. It was, it's after they crawl up through the, like, they crawl up into the, you know, hatch or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like got his knife open. And he's just like fucking around with the door and he can't like he can't, like, he it's just like a bit, a bit of business he's doing while he's talking to her. And I was like, oh, it's nice to like see him fucking around with something and have it not work. You know? Yeah, I don't think any of those things played. I don't think so either. Yeah. So he doesn't get the points for those. Um, great. That concludes It's Classified. It's time to reveal the results. Out of a possible, now we have a 100-point scoring system now this season. So it is out of a possible 100 points. This episode receives 49 points, <laughs> making Ooh. it the best and worst episode of season two that we've watched so far. <laughs> um, oh my we'll goodness. see how things uh, play out, but that's not a good grade. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Are we going to ever get to a B-plus uh, in this season, do you think, Annie? <laughs> With our I, scoring, <laughs> I hope my hope is that we do, but uh, it's not going to happen with yeah. this particular episode. Not with this one. Um, wow! And can I just say, because I just I looked it, I looked it up on IMDb. This has an eight point two out of ten. People really like this wow. one on okay. IMDb. Okay, I know. I just needed to let you you two know that. Are those just like yeah. people who have reviewed it, like randos, or is that like industry? Yeah, folks? randos. They usually yeah. have on IMDb and critics. They do have, but okay. I think they use mostly ran, random random yeah. people. Yeah, scores. and I I am I am aware of the fan base of of the original MacGyver online, and um, they cannot be swayed. <laughs> <laughs> they are convinced they, this is the best ever. Do you do you get angry comments or angry messages about? your podcast if you don't like an episode? I would say that we get people who refuse to listen to it because they don't want to (laughs) engage with anything that might make fun of MacGyver. I would rather that. I would rather they not listen if they're just going to be mad that we're making fun of their favorite show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was my favorite show too. I grew up watching it, but I feel like I can. But the fandom is real. Um, Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> Nonye, thanks for joining us. Before we wrap it up, what, where can people find you online? Uh, give us your plugs. What are you up to these days, et cetera? Um, I'm up to staying at home. I'm not yeah. going to lie. <laughs> it's going to be a quiet, a quiet <laughs> winter. Yeah, very yeah. quiet. I am in, in the process of animating some stuff. For, yeah. Um, yeah, I did a I did a podcast type thing at the beginning of quarantine with some mm. comedians where we retold fairy tales. And it was, cool. I would write the script. 
and then uh well I would write the scenes and then we would ad lib the script it was it was it was improv and I'm animating those because they were so funny and it's very slow because I don't animate my husband does so he's been helping me but it's been very slow uh i plan to have those out they're called fairy tales of noye um i also have another one gaby jesus that i'm gonna try and uh roll out um in my uh and it's basically just you know joseph and god they were dating mary was just the beard uh (laughs) baby jesus is fabulous and (laughs) um i'm yeah, I'm planning to have those out. You can look for them on my website, noyecomedy.com, N-O-N-Y-E comedy.com. And when I do have shows which are few and far between right now, which I'm fine with, hmm. um, then those are on there as well on my cool. schedule. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, any parting thoughts? Annie, do we miss anything? Uh, how are you feeling about season two? I am excited to check out season two. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jill, please get help. Um, <laughs> that's all, all I want to end on. Um, we'd like to promote our second podcast about Knight Rider launching soon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, we will not do it. I, this is my one line in the sand. I am yeah. not doing a second podcast about Knight Rider. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to check out our website at themacgyverpod.com and all our socials and our Patreon. It's all at The MacGyver Pod. Uh, If you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you can get them on CBS All Access or you can buy them on Amazon Prime. Uh, Join us next week when we will be breaking down Season 2, Episode 2, The Eraser. Take care, everybody. And remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends are the adventures of life. Thanks, everybody. Good night. (laughs) 